Hey, this is Simon Kay, the director of Shadowland, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that is still locked in, but still not locked out. I think I said that before. I'm your host, Craig, and it's time to talk about all the news and trailers and other things that happened during the month of May in the nerdy space on the internet. Joining me for this month's chat is Angus. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. Yeah, so we're here to talk about May, what happened in May, what might be happening in the future based on the announcements in May. But first, let's just have a quick catch up on what we've been watching recently. And if there's anything to plug, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. So what have you been exposing yourself to (laughs) content-wise over the past while? I've been catching up with stuff. Nothing amazingly recent. I watched all of AMC's The Terror, the first season. It was shown on BBC One, I think, earlier this year. It was maybe in January or February. And it was something that I'd I'd seen advertised and thought, oh yeah, I fancy that. Never got around to it. And then I just sort of binged it in the last week or so. And yeah, really enjoyed it. It made me want to watch some more kind of historical horror stuff. I did a bit more research into the series itself. Didn't realize it was an anthology. I'm a big fan of American Horror Story. So I was quite excited to find a new anthology series that I can look into. There's another season that I can check out. And yeah, I really quite enjoyed it. Oh, and anything else? Or is that just the main thing that you've been doing i also checked out both seasons of atlanta on disney plus again that's been out for a couple of years but i've seen that donald glover's been chatting about when seasons three and four are going to be coming out and the best i can find is 2022 i think for season three so now that i've seen the first two seasons i can look forward to that (laughs) (laughs) there it is for me it's variations on the usual stuff i've still been watching on my cw shows my batwoman's Batwomen's, there's only one. There's there's only one show called Batwomen. But Batwomen, The Flash, Superman and Lois, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, etc. All reviewed on the site. Today, as we record, was the final episode ever of Black Lightning. It was a messy and fairly disappointing finale, I would say. I think it doesn't live up to what the show is good at. And it's a very, as I say, messy ending. So that's a shame. It doesn't devalue the show. I think the show is still great. Again, reviewed on the website. It's there. I gave it 6.5 out of 10 as an episode. That's just the way it is. (laughs) Some things are not the best. Some things are. I haven't really been watching much else. I haven't gone back to the cinema yet. I've not braved that. So I haven't Mm. seen anything new there. Mm -hmm. I guess I will at some point. Is there anything likely to come out that would tempt you back? I've set the benchmark as A Quiet Place 2 as being the, this is the one I might try and go see. Mm -hmm. You're not rushing back for Peter Rabbit 2? No. (laughs) I'm not. And Cruella is going to be day and date on Disney Plus anyway. Mm. So there's no need for that. And I'm getting an advanced screener for it as well. So Oh, well, there you go. By the time this is out, I'll have reviewed it. So I don't have to go anywhere and watch it. But I don't know if I'd rush to the cinema under current circumstances to see mm-hmm. it. Back in the old days where I'd spend my Saturday watching like three films, I wouldn't think twice about it. But I'm being cautious. 
because I just have to be cautious. Yeah, understandable. That's all I've been really watching. I can't think of anything major. I watched Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder zombie movie. Oh, yeah? Didn't like it that much. <laughs> it's two and a half hours. Doesn't need to be two and a half hours. It has its focus in the wrong place. The characters are boring, <laughs> which is exacerbated by the fact that it's two and a half hours long and you have to spend that much more time with it. <laughs> we were thinking about sticking that on the other night. And then you saw it was two and yeah, a half exactly. hours. exactly. It was like maybe that. about nine o'clock. <laughs> this just shows how old I am. But <laughs> yeah, it was about nine o'clock. And I thought, ah, oh, two and a half hours. No way. I'm not putting this on now. <laughs> At some point, I feel like I will watch it, but uh, yeah, just that runtime. Whenever I see anything over two, two and a bit hours, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to have to carve out some time for this. Yeah. Neil Before Blog gave it two stars. I say Neil Before Blog. I gave it two stars. <laughs> <laughs> I operating on behalf of Neil Before Blog. I don't know. It's the stance of the website is it's a two star movie. Right, so right. Yeah. I mean, Snyder's never going to make anything that's under two and a half hours ever again, is he? This is it. I know, that was kind of restrained by him, wasn't it? Well, if you include the Snyder Cut, which is four hours. <laughs> I think that's a one-off, even for him. I guess we'll see. We'll but see. there's talk of the Snyder Cut Sucker Punch when there's already a director's cut of Sucker Punch. Why not? Why not go back and Snyder Cut everything? Yeah, just everything. Yeah. <laughs> Snyder Cut of Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> is there one? <laughs> Have we already seen it? I don't know. <laughs> one day he'll release a cut and it'll be a little bit shorter. Can you imagine? No, I've cut half an hour from this. It was rubbish. <laughs> It'd be shocking. Yeah, it would. So do you have anything to plug? Anything that you've been doing that you want the listeners to maybe check out? Uh, no, I don't actually. <laughs> Nothing that I've been doing. No major plugs. It's pretty difficult to plug a podcast that you're currently recording. So I'll have to do all the <laughs> plugging for that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's there's been a bunch of interviews on the website recently. They're not on the website as of recording. I've, I've done so many, five as of today, that it's built up a significant backlog of editing. And Chris, who photoshops the banners because I'm rubbish and can't do it, it's built up a backlog of making banners for him, so <laughs> I'm waiting on that. But no, I've interviewed Jesse Hutch, who's on Batwoman, Thomas Nicholson, who was in one episode of Legends of Tomorrow, Houston Stevenson, who's in a film that's called... I can't remember what it's called, but it's a horror movie that's on Lifetime. I should really have wrote down what that's called a predator returns or a predator a predator something it seems kind of nuts not part um, of the avp universe no thank god we're not waiting to get to that in like five years <laughs> <laughs> thank god yeah no there is no alien or predator in it oh. that i'm aware of there are sharks but no aliens and okay. or predators okay. yeah <laughs> the other one was sud sutherland who is a director who directed batwoman the Flash, Superman and Lois, and some other stuff. And Tanisha Collins, who is in a film coming up with Kevin Hart in it. So an embarrassment of riches when it comes to interviews recently. So they will appear intermittently once I get them done. That's good. But, That's, yeah, that makes up for my lack of plugs. And also it's good to hear that you're <laughs> keeping Chris busy too. Yeah, it's always good to keep Chris busy. I don't <laughs> want him to be sitting idle because he never has anything to do other than running a radio station mm. practically on his own. That can't take up too much time, right? How hard can it be? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to our trailer segment. We have a bunch of trailers, been a lot of them. So we'll just start off with Marvel, and they released a, hey, we're going back to cinemas, come back to the cinema and watch our movies. And they just released a teaser that's just kind of a collection of everything they've got coming out of the cinema. I really liked it, the tribute to Stan Lee at the beginning, and then showing you a bit more of Black Widow, which we've seen enough of. Without seeing the film, that is. I, I don't think, you know, I've seen like two trailers. I'm, I'm done with this. I don't need to watch it now. I think I've seen enough marketing material for Black Widow. I don't need to see any more. Right. But 
there's some footage of that. A little bit of Shang-Chi, which we got the trailer for, and me and Isaac talked about last month. First footage of The Eternals, which has a trailer now that we'll talk about. Things like that. So what did you think of this Marvel Celebrate the Movies trailer, teaser? Yeah, I quite liked it. I thought it was quite poignant for sort of pandemic times celebrating this kind of return i had to temper that with my cynical side as well thinking it's a corporation tugging at the heartstrings <laughs> and also the purse strings but yeah i mean all the highlights and stuff made me want to go back and revisit some of the marvel movies maybe not all of them but it kind of reminded me of what a big event the last however many years of, of marvel cinema has been and then having a look forward at what was coming out i'm hot and cold on some of them you know some mean more to me some i have never heard of some i'm sure are kind of big tent poles but are fairly unknown to me there's a few in there your spider men's your doctors strange thor guardians that sort of stuff the known properties to me i was kind of thinking oh yeah i'm looking forward to these and then the other ones i was thinking am i looking at them and thinking, is this basically going back to Guardians 1 all over again? Like, how could they ever be successful with this stuff? And I'm sure they'll turn it around and it'll all break records and everyone will go crazy for it. But yeah, at the moment, there's a few titles in there that don't grab me quite as much as the others. But as I say, I'm sure Marvel will turn it around. <laughs> they'll get you on side one way or another yeah. by the time they come out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was the Fantastic Four logo a bit of a teaser? It didn't get as much exposure as the the rest of the trailers or teasers that were in there was that just like a kind of quick year have this yeah they're not very far ahead on it yet they've just confirmed that they're making it and obviously they've not announced any x-men stuff so it's pretty clear they're going to do fantastic four first yeah. it's, i guess easier to fold into the universe than mutants they have to figure out how do we make mutants part of this and that they've always been here or are we going to just make them appear one day and, and figure out some other way i don't know i guess they don't know but fantastic four are going to be easier if slot in because they're just four powered individuals you just need to figure it out yeah and you can just watch interviews with emily blunt saying i'm not interested in playing sue storm i don't care who asks <laughs> <laughs> it's that standard fan casting thing isn't it where everybody gets it in their head oh yeah these two should play these characters and then suddenly someone at marvel has to go around and a white panel van and bundle them into it and suddenly you're these characters for the next 10 years <laughs> off you go <laughs> there's no allowance for do they want to do it do Marvel want them to do it? Is it what they're looking for? Are they going to be any good at it? You've just decided this couple are married and make films and they were almost in Marvel projects before. So let's just naturally put them in this role, whether they're interested or not. So I always find that amusing. There must be plenty of actors out there, but eventually the Marvel universe is going to get so big that it's going to be pretty impossible to avoid it. So yeah, getting bundled into vans or not i'm sure many people will be kind of absorbed into the, the ever-growing mcu well john krasinski was on the shortlist for captain america way back and emily blunt was black widow but then dropped out for whatever reason mm. it's not an unfounded speculation i guess but also that was a long time ago for both of these people and they've each moved on and done different things and emily blunt has just said that's not what I'm interested in doing in my career at this point. And fair enough. You don't have to. But they're probably on retainer or something. <laughs> well, who knows? I don't think it's going to be hard. I think the casting will surprise us when it comes to that. At least in some way, I think. They'll go for people you might not necessarily expect. Because they have done in the past. Apart from Cumberbatch, which was the obvious choice in the way that, oh, look, he's big and you know whatever. But possibly the least interesting choice of the shortlist, mm. I guess. Mm -hmm. but, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Fantastic Four. I'm interested to see how that goes and finally get it right. I don't mind the Chris Evans movies, actually. Those ones, I don't think they're that bad, but 
The Josh Trank one certainly awful. Really hate that movie. <laughs> oh, it feels like such a long time since those movies were out. <laughs> yeah, it does. We're just supposed to forget about it, which, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, full-fledged Marvel trailer up next, The Eternals. What did you think of The Eternals trailer? This is one of the, I've never heard of this type one. Yes, yes, it was. To. And as I said, my reaction was a similar sort of thing to my initial reaction to Guardians. I wasn't familiar with the IP and we've got a bit of an ensemble Again, I don't really recognize any of the characters, but I did recognize a couple of actors that interested me. I, I like Camille Nanjiani, especially from his stuff in Silicon Valley. He's appeared on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast quite a few times, so yeah, I enjoy his stuff. And he's super ripped for this. Yeah. Because everybody that's in a Marvel movie needs to be super ripped. Yeah, that might have tied in with some of the filming of, I think it was the last season of Silicon Valley, where he just showed up looking completely different, and they just had to have a kind of throwaway line to acknowledge the fact that he looks completely different now. Like Chris Pratt in Parks and Rec, yeah. where he just says that he... Gave up drinking beer. That was for Zero Dark Thirty, where he got in shape, right. and then yeah. it's like, well, yeah. They try and cover you, it up. You by, lost a lot of weight by yeah. putting him in big shirts still, but yeah, he, he does look quite a bit different from his appearance in the previous season. <laughs> and the other guy I recognised was Brian Tyree Henry. As I mentioned earlier, I was watching Atlanta. He plays a rapper called Paperboy in that. And he's really good. I really enjoy his character in that. But because it's the only thing I've seen him in, I just can't imagine him being anyone else. And and from what I saw in the trailer, he's in it in short snippets. I was thinking, how different from Paperboy is he going to be? I'm imagining he's going to be quite different because he's pretty intense in, in Atlanta. <laughs> And there's obviously heavy hitters like Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek and stuff like that. So it's quite a cast. It's quite an interesting cast. Yeah. Is there anything else you can expand on from what you saw in the trailer? Is it based on a a known story arc to you? I don't know what story arc it's based on specifically. It will have elements of different stories because they all do. They'll pull this bit from here and pull this bit from here Mm -hmm. and combine it up and change it up and whatever. I don't know an enormous amount about the Eternals. I know of them from comics that I've read and things like that, but I don't know a ton about them. They're one of the more obscure things, even for me. I haven't read everything right. because who can? Who can read everything? And anybody that pretends they've read everything is lying. <laughs> so at least I'm not lying. But are you confident that this can be developed into, you know, like it's, it's funny to think now that when Thor first came out, people might think, how's this going to work? This kind of Norse god, how's it going to fit in amongst the rest of the Marvel stuff? And of course now he's kind of an integral part played a massive part in the Infinity Saga and is so familiar to everyone now. But do you see the Eternals being the same sort of thing? Do you think that's going to work out that way? I think audiences will definitely buy into it. I think Marvel have proven that it can take any obscure thing from the comics and turn it into box office gold. They've done that on a few occasions now, so I don't think this will be any different. The idea of them being these kind of cosmic beings, super powerful beings, obviously the power level situation might be a problem because what threatens them and there's a whole idea of they've kept themselves out of the affairs of the universe up until this point apparently thanos wasn't a big enough (laughs) deal for them to involve themselves maybe there'll be chat about some of them got blipped as well i don't know and then there's discussions about the avengers in the trailer as well who's going to lead the avengers now Uh and whatever so there's going to be some connective tissue there the idea of these cosmic beings that decided to let the universe unfold without them interfering is an interesting idea and then them getting involved. What gets them involved? What kind of threat comes out of the shadows to get them involved? Mm. The trailer doesn't really tell you much of that. It's more a collection of imagery and things like that. But I'm interested. I'm interested to see how that all pans out and what the film is going to be, because I still don't know yet. But the trailer did get me intrigued. You're right about it having that kind of problem. I suppose all of the Marvel films so far, all the sort of standalone ones, what kind of threat is going to have to 
call these guys out and then there's going to be the staggered release of the next phase as well so it's all going to have to slot in as you've said they know what they're doing so i'm sure they've got it all slotted into place to get the building blocks in place but i don't know yeah maybe the further we go on and and one criticism that you could level at them is that they're fairly formulaic they've all got to fit into the same sort of pigeonhole there's always some baddie who can't be the ultimate baddie because they can't be the big thanos bad but they've got to be bad enough to be a threat in their own movie and then they can be kind of beaten get them out of the way move on to the next thing (laughs) so yeah i'm interested to see how that's handled yeah it would be an interesting one i know the the director nomad lands i haven't seen it but got loads of accolades for that so marvel have got themselves a good catch there i guess we'll see it'll be out in november i believe not that long yeah not too long so the next trailer let's do marvel adjacent we have the long-awaited long-delayed sequel to venom venom colon let there be carnage we've got woody harrelson playing cletus cassidy the villain carnage in a film that's about an anti-hero symbiote and i gotta say the trailer did not grab me Mm. although the trailer for venom also didn't grab me originally and i thought the film was okay it's messy and ridiculous but it's okay we podcasted about it if you remember it was way back (laughs) when it was out it looks weird it looks a lot like the first film Mm -hmm. andy circus is directing this one but it looks a lot like the first one and it looks like it's going to culminate in a blurry dark fight between palette swapped (laughs) creatures that look exactly the same i don't get why cletus cassidy's a threat and i don't get what carnage is from this trailer it's also still disappointing that this is the Venom we're getting and not connected to Spider-Man and not in the MCU. That is a disappointment for me. But that doesn't impact the quality of the film on its own. Mm-hmm. But it does affect the quality of the film in that it doesn't look that good. Yeah, I'd agree. It wasn't really all that gripped by the trailer. There's a bit of the beginning about being in connection with Marvel and I wondered if that is a development that's different from the last film, is it? Or was that one kind of... No, they always have the Marvel logo... Okay. Okay. on Marvel projects that aren't in the MCU. They just don't have the Marvel Studios logo. All right, I wondered if that had been a development and this was kind of them shifting slightly closer to the MCU. I think Feige's like, no, we're not having this. <laughs> <laughs> Get, keep this away from our universe. I agree with pretty much everything you've said. I thought the first one was pretty disposable, pretty throwaway. Nothing in the trailer got me particularly hyped for the next one. I think the best thing, or my favourite thing about the last one was the Eminem track. And I doubt that's going to come back <laughs> unless they just make it a kind of theme. But yeah, as I said, I don't think that'll be in it. So yeah, it's difficult to find anything really to be excited about for this one. Eminem maybe does a follow-up. Linkin Park for the Transformers movies, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first exactly. three odd Linkin Park tracks. Film deal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eminem, the voice of the Venom trilogy. Because <laughs> there'll be a trilogy. Somehow this will make money and they'll make another one. God, can you imagine? <laughs> Both of us not keen then, mm-hmm. based on this trailer. It just doesn't sell it to me. Maybe it'll be fine. I don't know. But... We'll see. Palette swapped gooey symbiotes punching each other in dark rooms. That's what we can look forward to again. <laughs> Joy. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Okay, we got a bit of a prequel, spin-off, reboot, I don't know. Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. I think this looks pretty cool as an action movie, martial arts action movie. They've been talking about this for ages, and they've been talking about expanding the G.I. Joe franchise for ages. And I can't believe they didn't do a sequel to the the successful one that The Rock was in because it did really well and then it just petered out and nothing happened afterwards. I actually prefer the first G.I. Joe movie. It's a proper live-action cartoon. It's just dumb and it's really fun and it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a classic Stephen Summers type 
film, you know, like the Mummy movies and Van Helsing. It just doesn't take itself too seriously. The second one, I still like it, but I prefer the first one. This one looks pretty cool. There's a car chase, there's stunts, there's martial arts stuff. There's uh, Henry Golding. He looks like he is decent in the part. So yeah, I'm, I'm all right with this. Based on this one minute, 12 seconds. <laughs> so that's a slight look forward to this for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, I'm not really a G.I. Joe guy. I think if I had been into those toys, then I'd be all about this, as I'm sure we'll discuss later on when we come on to some other topics in this discussion. I'm slightly worried by the colon and the origins in the title. <laughs> that's usually a red flag for me. I haven't seen the other ones. And from what you've said and from what we've discussed about them in the past, they sound fun sort of movies that do what they say on the tin. I've got no objection to that. Again, nothing really got me going with this one. I wondered if it's being marketed towards the Far East and the Chinese market and that kind of thing. I don't know whether or not that's just a sort of cynical take as well, that we can kind of churn out action movie after action movie and we're going to rake in the dollars. Yeah, I can't really say that there's a whole lot in it for me. I'm going to put it slightly above Venom in terms of what I might end up watching. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, the original, the original, the two G.I. Joe movies, they have Ray Park doing Snake Eyes. He's in a full body suit and he doesn't speak, he just does all the stunts. And it's it's just quite fun to see him do his thing. And there's a lot of character to him. He points at things and the way they get him to express himself is quite creative in some ways. And in the first film, they established that he took a vow of silence and where someone says, he doesn't speak. And then Channing Tatum asks, why not? And whoever it is replies with, he doesn't say. <laughs> it's the best explanation I've had for anything. I just... <laughs> Maybe I need to rethink it. Maybe I need to go back and watch this. <laughs> yeah. Although it does explain why he takes the vow of silence later in the film, but I was okay with that as an explanation. Why doesn't he speak? He doesn't say. So they didn't get Peter Serofinowitz to do a voice for him, and we got you know like a, a reprise of Darth Maul. <laughs> they didn't. No, it would be Sam Witwer now, though, wouldn't it? Or maybe not then. GI Joe Origins. You're not hyped. I think it looks okay. <laughs> The next thing, The Tomorrow War. It's a Chris Pratt Amazon Prime movie. There's about 30 seconds of footage. There's some war that's in the future, but also the present, maybe. I don't know. Based on the trailer, I'm not that excited. It looks like it's just a generic action sci-fi thing with lots of destruction and futuristic planes and Chris Pratt with a gun. Whatever. I'm sure it'll be okay. Yeah, I, I watched this trailer and was not gripped at all. I had exactly the same note about it looking generic. And then I kind of heard the line about fighting a war 30 years in the future. And that kind of made me think, okay, what's going on here? There's something a bit more than just your kind of run-of-the-mill sci-fi. I don't know what's going on there. It doesn't really explain. There's just that kind of line to try and hook you in. And obviously I am slightly intrigued. Also, when I watched it, the trailer played twice i don't know whether or not that was something i'd done but when it started up again playing in the same video on youtube i was thinking is this deliberate is there something going on here is it some part of this like time temporal theme going on is this what's happening to me so i watched it through again and i was like were there any differences there i felt like i was looking at a spot the difference type picture or something that was supposed to be <laughs> this was all part of the experience i have no idea if any of that's true but <laughs> <laughs> generic i like chris pratt i don't know if i like him enough to drive me towards this it's kind of the same thing with john krasinski and the jack ryan tv show like i liked other things i've seen john krasinski in but it just wasn't enough to make me stick with that other amazon property airplay yeah it'll be out on amazon at some point july maybe i'm not sure i think it's july give it a watch if you have amazon and have time or don't <laughs> it's up to you okay the green knight what did you think of this trailer I'm not sure if it's a Chaucer-based thing or not. I really hope it isn't, because I hate Chaucer. <laughs> Based on studying at a university. I had not heard anything about this, and I was like, 
medieval Groot. Okay, I'm in. It's going to be the first of my I like medieval or fantasy sort of takes in this pod. Yeah, I was equal parts intrigued and confused. There's a talking fox. I thought, oh, Natalie will like that. (laughs) I thought I saw the engineers from Prometheus. No idea what's going on there. (laughs) But yeah, kind of fantasy-based tale medieval looking you know there's knights and stuff i don't really know much more about it but this is one that i was a bit more intrigued by probably just because of that setting we're veering away from superheroes and from sci-fi and this is something a wee bit different so yeah i would give this a spin the trailer didn't grab me that much i don't know why i just i watched it and i was like kind of looks a bit discount pan's labyrinthy in a way but it looks great it does look very striking visually and Story-wise, I don't know really what it's about. Some kind of medievalish, a quest. Someone's thing. given a quest. Yeah. Well, that's all I need really yeah. to get me going. <laughs> given a quest, there might be a magic sword involved. Yeah, I'm in. Cool. Yeah, probably give it a watch if it comes out. If it comes out, they've made this trailer. And, yeah, we're not releasing this. <laughs> it will come out. So I'll probably give it a watch when it comes out. Assuming I'm back to full cinema strength by mm. then, it's all to play for. Up next. Pixar's next thing, which is unfortunately not seeing a cinema release. It's only going to be on Disney Plus in June. Luca. So this is a bigger trailer. Me and Kat, I think, discussed it a couple of months ago. The first teaser where it doesn't really tell you an awful lot. This, it still doesn't tell you a lot, actually. It shows you a lot more, but it doesn't tell you an awful lot. It's these mere people. They're trying to hide from other people that might be trying to kill them. It's this binary world type thing which pixar usually does very well like i say with all pixar things i see the trailer for these things i saw the trailer for onward and i was like i'm not sure what this is saw the trailer for but inside out was a bit more obvious saw the trailer for soul i didn't know what to expect from it but with pixar they've built up enough clout and credibility in my mind that whatever they're going to throw at me i'm going to give a go coco was the same i didn't know what to expect from that so this is kind of along those lines I don't really know what to expect from it, but I'm pretty sure it's going to have some hook that's going to grab me and throw me through an emotional ringer, because they usually do. Yeah, I was getting Little Mermaid Finding Nemo crossover vibes from it. I agree with you that I can't really tell much about what it's about other than that. A sort of literal fish out of water tale. It looks bright and colourful, you know, it looks nice. And I agree with what you said about the last few Pixar movies. I've not really paid much attention but then if i am in front of a tv and they are on and i watch them i find them affecting and i thought that actually about soul put that on at christmas time thinking okay you can't go wrong with pixar and maybe it was just because my expectations have been set so high that i just didn't like it quite as much so my expectations have maybe been tempered a wee bit but it's always really high quality compared to so much of the other stuff that comes out so sure if and when i get to see this i will enjoy it even though i don't know what it's about right now Well, it'll be free on Disney Plus, so you'll have plenty of opportunity. (laughs) Cool. We have two Batman animated movies, although they are the same movie, just split in two. The Long Halloween Part 1 and The Long Halloween Part 2. Curiously, they released the trailer for the second part before the first part's even out. The first part's not out till June. Second part's in July, I think. So they released the two parts, I guess because the two sides of the story are very distinct from one another. First part's very much about Harvey Dent not being Two-Face. And the second part is very much about him being Two-Face. And the first part has Batman saying, oh, you should flip a coin, or you're in two minds about these things. So there's these, you know, quirky stuff. It's comic books, whatever. It looks really good. I like the DC animated stuff on the whole. I think they do really good work. Jensen Ackles voicing Batman is a good touch. He once voiced the Red Hood. So he's got a bit of an upgrade. He's now Batman. He's now the main man himself. So well done, Jensen Ackles. Stick in long enough and eventually you get to... Is that the natural career path? Voice the cowl, (laughs) I guess. 
So yeah, I'm keen for these. Really looking forward to them. I liked the last one that was Justice Society World War II. I thought it was good. And the Superman one that came out before it, Man of Tomorrow, was really good as well. They've soft rebooted the DC animated films with not quite a new continuity, just with a fresh lick of paint, I guess. They don't really reinvent the wheel on them too much but this is based on the celebrated long halloween story and i've read it and it's a good story so Mm. hopefully the animated thing will live up to it when it says dc universe in the trailer does that mean that it's part of the whole justice league universe or is the animated universe different from the cinematic universe yeah the animated universe isn't the same universe i don't think the animated universe even exists there'll be films that are sequels to other films but they don't have like a cohesive animated universe. Okay. okay. They just make films. Because and... it flashed up DC Universe and I was like, okay, I am behind the times on the DCU. <laughs> so that's good. I won't be lost if I haven't seen Justice League or the Snyder Cut, various other films. My main criticism of the animated movies is it's never too long until they do a Batman one. Yeah. They do a few Superman ones as well. So it's weighted heavily in the Batman direction and slightly in the Superman direction. And you get a bit of a Flash or a Wonder Woman now and again, but... I think they need to branch out and make more animated movies about other characters because they have them. And how many Batman stories do we see? Of course, Batman sells. I get it. I understand. But speaking as someone that's not a huge Batman fan, I want to see other stuff. I kind of thought similar sort of things about this. It feels very familiar. You know, Halloween is in the title and there's overt references to Halloween in it. Some of the music and the style of it was giving me more of that kind of Christmassy Tim Burton Batman stuff. So I I like that. It's not original, but it works. And as you said, there's a lot of Batman fans, so it's, it's ticking boxes for them. The Arkham stuff reminded me of the Arkham games, which is one of the touch points for me for Batman some of my best recent Batman experiences come from those. I feel like there's so much Batman animated stuff out there, some of which when I have dipped into it, I've really enjoyed, but it feels a bit overwhelming that there's so much. So when I saw these trailers, I wasn't immediately hooked or thinking I need to see those. I was getting that kind of barrier where it just feels like another piece of that puzzle that <laughs> I don't feel like I'm ever going <laughs> to properly unlock. I remember shouting out Batman Ninja a while ago, and that was something I really enjoyed. So I'm sure there are lots of amazing animated batman stories that i could dive into but yeah at the moment i just feel like it's oppressively large that back catalog there's definitely lots of them yes that is certainly true he does appear in a lot of these animated films we'll see i think it'll be good and tend to enjoy the the animated stuff more than the live action stuff because they take well they don't take more risks but they can they can just experiment a little bit whereas the the films at least so far not so much Mm. up next We have a trailer for a Netflix series set in the Resident Evil video game universe, not to be confused with the Resident Evil movie universe, or not to be confused with the reboot film that's coming out, or this other TV show that's probably (laughs) going to be on Netflix. So there's a lot of Resident Evil universes to keep track of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this is set in the video game universe, focuses on Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield, who were stars of the second game, zombie outbreak somewhere people doing nasty things with viruses and mutating and all that good stuff. I'm a sucker for Resident Evil. I love Resident Evil. I've recently played through Village. I thought it was a really good game. Didn't scare me too much. I still haven't played all the way through 7 because I got to a point and I just got too scared and couldn't continue. (laughs) One of these days I should go back to it. But 8 was fine. There was intense bits, but there was other bits that I was just... It's very action-driven, but there are intense bits that are difficult to deal with, especially if your anxiety levels are as high as Mm -hmm. mine (laughs) sometimes. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, Village was good. I think this series, I don't know how long it is, but it looks really good. It's out in July. I like those characters. I like the Resident Evil universe. I just like how insane it can be, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I don't know what your connection is to the games, if you even have one. 
Not a whole lot. I know that, like you've said, you're a big fan. I am I've absolutely nowhere near that connection to them, but I'm interested in the subject matter. I've played bits and pieces here and there. I've never played through a whole one myself. The one I've played the most is probably the one with the co-op stuff. I think that was set in Africa, if I'm right. Five. Yeah. You're thinking of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. When I put this on, I was like, yes, now I am in. This looks really interesting. This is something I could get into. Netflix series, anime stuff. And as I say, this sort of zombie mutant subject matter kind of gripped me as well so i noticeably perked up watching this trailer and yeah as you mentioned there's existing characters is it an existing story from one of the games or is this completely original but using those characters you mentioned i think it's going to be just a new story set in that universe with those characters they've done animated films before Mm -hmm. featuring various characters and they're all their own story so they reference the games and things but they don't adapt the games into these animated films and it's possible that the reboot film that comes out in, it was September, I don't know if it still is, I don't think it is, that's featuring the characters that were in the first two games. Well, played by actors you might not expect. I don't know what way they'll frame that story. The Paul W.S. Anderson movies completely ran away from the mm. games very, very quickly. The second one's the one that has the most imagery that you would connect to the games and the rest of it is just, yeah, this might as well not be Resident <laughs> Evil. It's ridiculous. Turn his wife into a Mary Sue within the universe of these <laughs> films. That's all it is. They're just ridiculous action movies with the Resident Evil logo right, on them. Right. And you know, I don't hate them. I think they're okay. I think they're what they are. And I don't think they're being sacrilegious towards the video game franchise. I know a lot of fans do. I just don't care enough. I can play the games. It's fine. I can watch these movies or I can not watch these movies. It's fine. But I guess an extra story in that universe is something that fans of the games will get excited about and those characters are characters people love because a lot of people think Resident Evil 2 is their favourite game ever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is. It's it's a very good game. There's, Resident Evil 2 is one of those seminal games that I played when I was like 13 and I wasn't supposed to play it <laughs> when I was 13 and I really loved it. And it's it's stuck with me and it's one of those games you can still play, tank controls, all that good stuff. It holds up really well because it's very unique in all of its time. Mm. So I think this will resonate with fans of the franchise who will enjoy seeing those characters in similar yet new situations. Yeah, and if my reaction's anything to go by, then maybe it'll reel in a few casual fans as well. Because, like I say, I saw this and I'm already looking forward to watching it. Yeah, and then next thing you know, you'll be picking up RE2 remake on (laughs) PS4 and away you go. Yeah, I'll be in. I'd recommend it. It's cheap and you'd have a good time. It's very good fun. Can't go wrong with that. Cheap and a good time. Yeah, exactly. They should put that on my toaster. It was cheap and a good time. <laughs> Next up, we have a Karen Gillan-led action movie called Gunpowder Milkshake. The trailer only dropped today as of recording. There's been a few last-minute additions to this list, which I'm sure you were very annoyed by. So he's having more crap. I'm going to be here all night. <laughs> this is kind of John Wick, but with Karen Gillan. In terms of style, I think it's going for that vibe, even if it's not a direct inspiration. Everything wants to be John Wick now, doesn't it? That's the thing that you need to be. I think it looks really good. I think Karen Gillan's carving out a nice niche as an action star and a franchise leader. And I think she's just waiting for that thing that she can take the lead on and be celebrated for. Obviously, the Avengers franchise, the Marvel franchise, she's celebrated in that, especially after Endgame, how well she did there and things like that. So in Jumanji... People like her in that. I don't like those movies, actually, but people like her in that. So I think this is a good fit for her, and it seems like it's good fun, and the action looks cool. So I'm excited for this. 
we are obviously on the same wavelength because my first note about this trailer was female librarian John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously the action, the gunplay, the neon colours and stuff, a lot of that stylistic, those choices kind of echo John Wick. I think it looks like it's got a pretty good cast, pretty solid cast. I just wasn't all that sold on it. There's nothing particularly jumping out about it for me. I think that's about the most I can say. I don't have a whole lot more to add on top of what you've said there. I really like Karen Gillan, so a lot of the appeal comes from the fact that she's leading it. Yeah, I do agree. It doesn't look like it's reinventing any wheels when it comes to action movies or those sorts of things, but I think it looks like a perfectly decent version of what it's trying to be based on this trailer. The end result might be atrocious. We don't know. <laughs> Such as trailers. Oh my God, I wasn't sold this. <laughs> what is this? There's one action scene in the film. We've seen it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it looks fine. I'll watch it. It doesn't take a lot to get me to watch things. If I'm at full cinema strength, it'll be a Saturday afternoon. I'll just let it wash over me and I'll probably enjoy it. That's the hope anyway. The last of our trailers that's also dropped today, mere hours, a couple hours before we're due to record. So good job for that because normally these things drop half an hour after we finish recording. (laughs) And there probably is something that is being announced right now that I don't even know about. (laughs) But Edgar Wright's next movie, Last Night in Soho, Anya Taylor-Joy's in it. It looks like a time travel horror. I think time travel's involved. It seems that Anya Taylor-Joy travels back to the 60s for some reason and then is terrorised by something. It looks pretty good. I like Edgar Wright's stuff. I don't think I've seen a film of his I haven't enjoyed. And... Him doing actual horror rather than comedy horror will be an interesting thing to see. He's certainly versatile in what he can make. And this looks pretty cool. Yeah, the trailer was adequately spooky. Wasn't really sure what was going on. As you say, there's a bit of time travel in there, kind of 60s styling. And then it kind of picks up in the last few seconds where it it properly turns on the horror. There's enough about it that has piqued my interest. I also enjoy Edgar Wright's movies. I would give this one a watch. Yeah, I'll give it a spin. Just for the pedigree involved. Okay, that was our last trailer. We made it. We made it through the trailers. Well done, us. <laughs> Let's move to our next segment, which is we normally do a bit of a three main universe hop for the three main Neil Before Pod universes, Neil Before Blog universes. Also, the segment where I essentially just read variety to you and ask you to react. <laughs> it's not just variety. Deadline yeah, appears sometimes other... too. Other outlets, outlets. are available. <laughs> <laughs> There's only really one bit of news from the Marvel universe that I picked up on. Other than the trailers we've watched, of course, and Modoc's out, which I have no intention of watching because it looks like a bad robot chicken sketch. So I have no interest in watching it. But I believe that's out and some people enjoy it. So more power to you if you do. I clicked into it, did not click play, but I looked at the information and then immediately went back to the menu. <laughs> <laughs> Decided not yep. to watch it. That says it all. Yeah. <laughs> so the main bit of news from Marvel is that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness will be introducing America Chavez, a character that also goes by Ms. Marvel. She's a fan favourite in the comics, member of the New Avengers. People like her. She's appeared in a bunch of animated stuff. And it's a character that I'm excited to see. They've cast her, and I'm going to completely butcher her name because it is, without a guide, unpronounceable. It's spelled X-O-C-H-I-T-L. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. But Gomez, she'll be playing America Chavez, so young actress in this role, joining the Marvel Universe in some undisclosed way in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's the next piece of evidence that points to the next phase of Marvel stuff being about legacy, being about who's going to be embodying these values and and what the Marvel Universe is all about in the future. Who are we passing the torch to? That's what seems to be happening here. It's another iteration of that. It's a 
Young Avengers character. Whether they're going to do Young Avengers is unknown at this point, but that's what's happening. And I'm quite interested to see how they'll fold this character in. When you sent me this through and then the note around Doctor Strange was that this is going to feature America Chavez, I thought, who's America Chavez? <laughs> <laughs> I clicked through from the article to this sort of video cheat sheet. So now I'm a bit more informed about who America Chavez is. And the one line from it that really stood out to me was, America Chavez is one of Earth's most powerful heroes. And one of the sassiest, too. (laughs) Okay, okay. We've got a sassy hero coming in into Doctor Strange. Yeah, I'm completely unfamiliar with this character, but I'm hoping to be familiar soon. And the film will tell you possibly everything you need to know for the purposes of our inclusion in that film. Okay, so let's hop over to the DC Universe. That's all we have from Marvel today. Very limited showing from them, apart from trailers, I guess. First up is Green Lantern. We have some casting. We have two bits of casting. Jeremy Irvine cast as Alan Scott, who is an openly gay character. He wasn't originally because I think his first appearance was in the 40s or something like that. He was a very early character. You didn't have gay characters in that time period. You just didn't. Mm. Comics were not that progressive. (laughs) But in this, he will be. He is the original Green Lantern. And then Finn Whitrock cast as Guy Gardner. I get to break that news. He is, yeah. So we've got some casting. It's done by... Greg Berlanti, Mark Guggenheim and so on, who do the Arrowverse. So I'm already in for it. I'm already keen because I've seen what they can do and I like what they can do. This is an HBO Max thing, so it'll have a higher budget, which is fine. (laughs) Green Lantern, I think it's been long enough since the Ryan Reynolds movie to give it another go and forget about it. And (laughs) Green Lantern has been fishing about for years. They've been trying to get it off the ground and it's not been happening, but now this TV show's happening. And it's going to feature multiple Green Lanterns which is fine because they are a spacefaring police force. So it makes sense that there'll be more than one of them. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this, more superhero stuff. The Green Lantern concept's always really fun. And I think with a TV show as well, have got a real opportunity to just dive into it and give you more information and, and play with the detail and play with the characters and play with the, the different aspects of it. Yes, the Finn Whitrock mention excited me as I have loved watching him in American Horror Story, especially Freak Show. I think that was his like strongest showing there. He was really good in the assassination of Jenny Versace as well and various other things. You know, whenever he crops up, I've found him to be really good. I don't know anything about Jeremy Irvine, unfortunately, but I'm happy that there's an openly gay Green Lantern. That seems like a good thing. Good thing for representation in the DC universe. Unfortunately, as with so many of these other shows, I can't see myself committing to watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. You might find yourself. The Variety report about Finn Whitrock is quite interesting, talking about who Guy Gardner is. As per Variety, a hulking mass of masculinity, and as rendered in the comics, an embodiment of 1980s (laughs) hyper-patriotism, and yet Guy is somehow likeable. I'll be the judge. Variety adds that the story spans decades and galaxies, beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern, secretly gay FBI agent Alan Scott, and 1984 with cocky alpha male Gardner and half-alien Bree Jarta. They'll be joined by a magnitude of other lanterns from comic book favourites to never-before-seen heroes. But yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I'm really keen for this. I think it's going to be very good. Like I said, the people involved in putting it together, they're all very good at crafting superhero stuff that people like to watch. Next up, we have another DC animated thing. No trailer this time. But the Injustice video games are going to be turned into an animated movie. So I'm guessing they'll expand on the cutscenes that are in those two <laughs> games. For people who don't know, Injustice is an alternate universe where Superman's gone nuts and they'll have to fight Superman somehow. Also known as a Zack Snyder movie, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's basically what he wants to do. But they're making that 
I don't know whether it'll be a combination of the two games. Injustice 2 had Supergirl in it. The first one didn't. The second one followed Supergirl, though, as a story. I played through the story. I'm not huge on beat-em-ups, but I wanted to play the story, and I did. So I just put it on easy and played through the story. <laughs> That's what I did. I haven't played the second Injustice game. I played a bit of the first one. When it was free on PS Yes, Plus. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just another string to add to my skinflint bow there. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was a story in it. That's how little I played it or even saw the cutscenes in it. So I kind of expected this to be a bit like a DC version of the Mortal Kombat movies where it's just, you know, let's kind of throw a story at what is basically just a beat-em-up game. But in doing very shallow research for this, reading the storyline did actually sound quite interesting. I didn't realise that that was in the game at all. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds interesting enough. Whether or not I will trouble myself to watch it, I don't know. You never know. Never say never. Here's another animated movie. DC are going to be making a film called DC League of Super Pets <laughs> that centres... <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. It focuses on Crypto the Superdog, who is, yes, a character from the comics, Superman's dog. He is a dog from Krypton. Well, he's not a dog from Krypton. He's an animal from Krypton that looks exactly like a dog. Right, right. In the same way that Superman looks like a human. So there was a whole legion of animals. There was a horse and there's a cat. Streaky the super cat, which was Supergirl's cat. <laughs> and there's going to be a flying cat in this one as well. But the biggest notable thing about it is that Dwayne Johnson... We'll be voicing Crypto the Superdog. Here's a mashup. Who would win in a fight between Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam and Dwayne Johnson's Crypto the Superdog? I would like to immediately retract my Never Say Never because I think I'm, I'm never going to watch that. My note just says what and several question marks afterwards. <laughs> At least it's not another Batman story. Yeah. There is a Bat Dog. Right, one. right. Ugh, yeah, I don't know. Ace the Bat Hound, I think his name is. So maybe he'll be in it. He probably will be in it. We don't need to see him coming out of an opera into Crime Alley again. Dwayne Johnson has proved himself in live action movies and as a voice actor. I'm sure he'll do a great job. This is clearly not for me. It's for <laughs> it's for kids. It's for fans of the super pets. And possibly for Natalie. I think she would watch Yeah, maybe. Her. Maybe. Got animals in it. We'll ask her at some point. I suppose. In addition to voicing the main character, Johnson is producing the movie, because of course it is. You can't get him involved unless he's producing it. I like Dwayne Johnson. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's like, yeah, super dog, I'll do it. Why not? <laughs> it's all good. More animated stuff. Superman is getting an animated series. It's called... My Adventures with Superman. Yes, it's called My Adventures with Superman. It has Jack Quaid voicing Superman. Alice Lee voicing Lois Lane. And it's a serialised coming-of-age story about Superman building up his secret identity and embracing his role as the hero of Metropolis, and perhaps the world. While Lois, now a star journalist, takes aspiring photographer Jimmy under her wing, all the while Clark and Lois are falling in love, sharing adventures, and taking down bad guys. I'm all for a new Superman animated series. I like the 90s one a lot. I think it's really good. It's set in the same universe as the Batman one, and they have a crossover episode, which is the best Superman Batman crossover movie ever made. Fact. It just is. It's just very good. You do love a crossover. Yeah, well, they did it. Yeah, so I'm keen for this. I think it's a good angle to take on Superman, although we're going back to the start again, but still, oh. it's, it's animated and good fun. Jack Quaid. I like Jack Quaid. He also does the voice of the lead in Star Trek Lower Decks, and he's in The Boys as well. Mm -hmm. So he's cool. He's getting involved. I like that. I am not quite as excited as you are. I am questioning whether or not we need to go back and see the origin of Superman again. I'm wondering if this can be a fresh take. I do like Jack Quaid and the boys, but I think I'm probably going to stick to watching him in that as 
yeah, I can't, I can't see me getting around to this one. Well, if that's not your cup of tea, it's on HBO Max. Also coming on <laughs> HBO Max because we can't let Superman have the spotlight by himself. A new Batman series has been ordered at HBO Max and Cartoon Network with Batman the Animated Series co-creator Bruce Timm attached as executive producer. It'll be executive produced by Bruce Timm along with J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves. <laughs> I've got a question here in my notes, and I think that sigh might have preempted it. <laughs> is J.J. Abrams' involvement a red flag? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I'm really sick of him getting involved in things I like. Please leave them alone. Please go and do something else that I'm never going to be exposed to, because if he makes a Superman film, which he might, because there's one in development, the Black Superman project with Tanasi Coates writing it and things. J.J. Abrams' production company is involved. It's not clear if he's directly involved. And it's very possible that this is just he's putting his name on it and will actually have nothing to do with it. But yeah, I'm not keen on J.J. Abrams. I'm sick of the guy. He's made some mistakes on some of my favourite things. and I don't think I'm in a position to forgive him for that. But this series will be thrilling, cinematic and evocative of Batman's noir roots while diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I like the noirish stuff, but you could probably refer back to everything I said about the trailers for the other Batman animated stuff <laughs> for my thoughts on this. How many Batman projects have we discussed in this podcast alone? <laughs> yeah, I've got a Superman and a Batman animated series. I know which one I'll prefer. I'm a Superman guy. Give me a virtuous, positive hero any day of the week. And they're both tied for me in that I will not watch either of them. <laughs> but you're here to talk about I'm here to, I, yeah, I'm, I'm here to bring yeah. that perspective <laughs> so speaking of things that you haven't watched and will never watch <laughs> let's move over to the cw oh. we have to go with the cw it's a mainstay of neil before blog most of the reviews are cw things the flash tv show we have two exits from the cast in the same year which can't be great for the producers their actors just leaving one of them's already left actually tom cavanagh who plays among other characters, Harrison Wells. Just to explain the Harrison Wells character, practically every season they get a new one from a different universe. And Tom Cavanaugh gets to play different variations on this character. He also played the Reverse Flash, who'd stolen the body of the original Harrison Wells. It's this whole Okay, thing. but that won't be happening anymore. No, not unless they just get him back for one shots. But yeah, if they bring back Reverse Flash, who's going to play him? They did have another actor who played him as well, so... It's fine. So Tom Cavanaugh has already left. He's got a couple of guest spots over the season. He basically just talked about the show's not called Harrison Wells. The show's called The Flash. That's why I'm mm. doing. I think it's my time. And Carlos Valdez, who plays Cisco, who has been on the show since day one as well, is leaving for some reason. He hasn't said why. Okay. So was it a shock to you or was it kind of telegraphed? Did you anticipate that this was coming? The Harrison Wells thing, I kind of thought they would just mix up variations on the character until the show ended. Mm -hmm. Actually, I just thought they were going to keep doing that because I'm not saying it's an easy paycheck for him, but he gets to have a lot of fun creating these different characters. There's the French detective one. There's the hipster one. There's whatever. There's different variations on him. Right. He does a really good job. He's a very good actor. So I thought that would be a good mainstay for him to just play around with these different things. I'm not surprised that he's leaving as such because... Also, I wonder what mileage it is. And also, The Flash has been of variable quality for quite some time as a TV show. I watch it because I love the actors and I love the characters and all that stuff. But plot-wise, they don't always do a great job. In terms of Cisco, Carlos Valdez, I've been wondering if this has been coming for a while. Because the last couple of seasons, they've done a lot of stories where he's like, I'm not sure what my place in the world is anymore. I'm going to leave for four episodes and <laughs> try and find myself. And then he does. And... 
don't know what the actor's up to off screen. Maybe he's sourcing other projects. And I remember listening to Kevin Smith when he was on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast, Inside of You, he was talking about Carlos Valdez was saying, I love this show. I love being on this show. I love that it's a regular gig. I love that I do the work that I do. But I gave my 20s to this show. And you can understand that mentality of it's this big time in my life and how much longer can I keep doing it and all the pressure and whatever. So he's given seven years of his life to it. I'm not going to say, oh, no, how dare you leave? Fair enough. I'm fairly sure he's just doing it for his own reasons. He feels like it's time and that's fine. That is fine. And I have never seen an episode of The Flash. I'd say watch season one. (laughs) And then I'll be better informed about whether or not to plow on with the rest. Season one is legitimately great and it has a really emotionally powerful finale. It really does. It is a very good season of television and very good season of superhero television. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Diminishing returns after that, it has to be said. (laughs) Yeah, it's that bit that I'm worried about. You get hooked and then you watch season two and you're like, well, it's not as good as season one. Then you watch season three and you're like, this is just crap. And then season four, how is this worse than last season? And then season five, oh, it's getting slightly better. And then, oh no, it is as bad as last season by the end. (laughs) Still on The Flash, we have our first look at Impulse, who is a descendant of Barry and Iris from the future. We get to see him in his costume. They went for a comic book pose that's reminiscent of a famous comic book pose and some things do not translate well to live action in terms of the look i think the costume looks pretty cool actually it's very comic accurate the actor looks like he's having a ball but the pose itself doesn't quite work i'm looking forward to seeing impulse in the show and what they do with that is impulse a fan favorite character is this something that i wouldn't know so people haven't (laughs) been anticipating this for a while then i don't know yeah i'm not sure people have been like i can't wait to see if they do impulse on the flash (laughs) so this isn't going to be coming out to a massive reaction this is some of that diminishing return you were mentioning earlier well they've put him in the 150th episode of the show so the producers clearly see it as a big deal in the introduction and they introduce wally west who is another flash from the comics and they brought in a daughter from the future couple of seasons ago and she was pretty good so i'm confident that they'll get the character they'll do the character well because they normally do at least at first diminishing returns after that (laughs) (laughs) i'm keen to see the introduction anyway and i think the costume looks cool well there's always that you have no opinion i assume maybe you have an opinion on the costume without knowing if it's comic accurate or not i'm sorry i have very little well it is comic accurate (laughs) if you scroll down on the article i sent you you will see the actual panel that they ripped off yes i glanced at it briefly but as you mentioned my input on the flash segment of the podcast is probably best kept minimal fair enough Next up, we have another superhero thing, Naomi, which is a DC thing. I don't think it's in the Arrowverse. Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. It probably isn't, but there's multiverse stuff involved. This show sounds really interesting. It's produced by Ava DuVernay, and that's a good pedigree to have, especially in a CW show. CW are getting ambitious with who they're hiring. They've picked us up for a full series. They saw what they were doing, considering the pedigree involved. (laughs) I'm not surprised, but they picked up for a full series. They said, yeah, this is cool. Make 13 episodes of this. No problem. The synopsis for it is effortlessly cool and confident high school student who is the adopted daughter of doting parents popular with all the kids in her military town. Naomi is unafraid to embrace her AP student comic book loving nerdiness. After a supernatural event leads to the discovery of her powers within, Naomi pursues her hidden identity. I like the sound of this show. The blurb doesn't tell you a lot, but I think based on who's involved and everything else, I think this will be a really interesting 
show they've cast someone who I've never seen in anything. And yeah, it looks good. It's another CW superhero thing. So is this a must watch for you then? I'll give it a watch. Yeah, for sure. Definitely give it a watch. I'm guessing you will not. <laughs> it's becoming a familiar riff. I, I will not be <laughs> yeah. watching it. I've never heard of Naomi or Naomi, but the article claims that she has powers comparable to Superman. I found that interesting. And it's, <laughs> that might be the only slight breadcrumb that would get me involved, but yeah, <laughs> unlikely. Fair enough. I'll watch it, probably. Definitely. Maybe review it. I don't know. It depends what's going on at the time. Unfortunately, there's been some bad news on CW stuff. They are not picking up the Black Lightning spin-off focused on Jordan Calloway's painkiller. They did a backdoor pilot this season. CW are famous for doing backdoor pilots and them not getting picked up. It's happened twice on Supernatural. It's happened with Black Lightning. It happened on Arrow. It happened with The 100. Although that's not dead yet, but it soon will be, I'm pretty sure. It's a bit of a shame. It looked conceptually quite interesting. The lead actor's very good. The character's pretty cool, but it's not happening. So the Black Lightning corner of the Arrowverse will not be continuing in that way. I was going to ask if this is kind of a blow for the Arrowverse, but it sounds like it's the established pattern. So it's just kind of standard operating procedure. Exactly. So that's that. That's not happening. Another interesting thing that's happening, I don't know how much you've heard about this Powerpuff Girls pilot that they're doing, live-action Powerpuff Girls. I feel like you mentioned this to me ages ago. I don't know whether or not I just dreamt this or if we've actually spoken about <laughs> it, but I feel like years ago, I, I don't know how long it's been in development, but I, honestly, I feel as if we chatted about this actually years ago, like over five years ago, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know how long this has been in development? Just a few months. Okay. It's not been that long. <laughs> so where has this come from? What is this inception that's been planted in my brain? Maybe I had a few beers one night and I came up with a concept about how I would reboot the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, maybe. That might have been it because you've done that for similar sort of like kids' properties. In my dream, or when we talked about this before, I was <laughs> incredulous, sceptical about needing a Powerpuff reboot or kind of gritty Powerpuff Girls <laughs> version. What are your thoughts? So we've had an update on this show every month. I think since we started doing these as a regular format thing. And it was quite funny because when I was putting together the list of stuff that we we're going to talk about, I was thinking, this is the first month we've not had a Powerpuff update. <laughs> and then lo and behold, last night it arrived. It happened. The announcement happened. It's not a good announcement though. Well, it still is. I mean, it's not dead, but the Powerpuff pilot is being reworked for some reason. With the same team, with the same cast, they're just doing it again. So it suggests that the network execs or whoever watches this stuff to decide whether to pick up, they're not happy with it for some reason. I'm just reading on comic book resources. I'm not going to read through it, but there has been a leak of the script and that tells you everything you need to know about why they're reworking it. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'll read it later, but it seems like something's happening and they're not happy with it for whatever reason. But I'll give you a bit of background on it. They cast Chloe Bennett, who was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They cast Dove Cameron, who's been in a bunch of Disney stuff. And Yana Peralt, who's done a bunch of plays and things. I don't really know who she is. Donald Faison, is that? Yep. Asked a friend how you pronounce yeah, his yeah. name. He is going to be the professor, Professor Newtonium. He is doing that. So everything I read about it was, this seems ridiculous, but I'm kind of here <laughs> for it. And Diablo Cody was writing the pilot, stuff like that. And basically the premise is that they're directionless 20-somethings who resent giving up their childhood to being superheroes that sounds like the most cw thing ever and i'm completely here for it and i really hope they get this pilot in order and get it to air because 
I'll be disappointed if it's not good, especially since Supergirl's ending. It seems like a natural fit. Well, you know, into the CW lineup for that. Copious slot. studio notes can only lead to spectacular art, right? So <laughs> <laughs> we need to read what the script <laughs> leak is. I guess hmm, that page doesn't exist. Okay, so that's gone. Never mind. I'll try and find it in the show notes so that people can read it. Powerpuff, do you think you would watch a pilot at the very least, just to see what it's like, just to see what they turn this kid's tongue-in-cheek cartoon about superheroed young girls into? Uh... I never watched the cartoon. I think I'd probably just aged out of it by that time. Although Natalie did watch it, so maybe if she was watching it, maybe she can be reeled in here into watching the pilot. And if that is the case, then of course I will give it a watch just because it sounds ridiculous. And also I need to go back and reassess whether or not I have been inceptioned or if I have just <laughs> fever dream or something what all this yeah. five years ago, or maybe even longer, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know when I might have thought that we were talking about powerpuff reboots i wonder if i had had a few beers and decided that i was going to come up with a reboot idea i didn't write any of it down at least for the power rangers there's a whole article power rangers was definitely one of the properties you were giving a treatment to but (laughs) i'm sure there were others i say this every month but i'm left wondering if the cw want to do a sort of suite of cartoon network adapted live action things so they they could do dexter's lab next for example although on the cw it would be dexter's abs (laughs) make that joke every month do you have one for johnny bravo I do not. <laughs> I actually keep forgetting about that being a Cartoon Network property. For some reason, it was in my head that it was Nickelodeon, but it's not. It is Cartoon Network. We can cut that bit out, workshop something, and then you can drop it in like it was off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Bravo? I don't know. Would he be woke enough for the moment? Oh, yeah, well, that's audience? what I'm wondering. <laughs> How do we adapt the cartoon sex test, essentially? <laughs> Very carefully, I think. Very carefully. Very carefully. <laughs> He's just criminally insecure. That's what he is. He's just so insecure. That's your angle. That's it. I've done it. There you go. He's insecure, so he overcompensates by being very forward with the ladies, but he has a heart of gold. Done. (laughs) There's your CW pilot. I've done it. Greg Berlanti, I am available for consultation. Just saying. So the last piece of CW news is one I'm very excited about. It's called Bebo Saves Christmas. This was a very, very last minute addition, as in minutes before we started recording so i'm gonna to have to explain what bebo is to you to explain why i'm excited uh, is it not a social networking platform from the kind of myspace days no well it is <laughs> but this is spelt with two e's a b and an o whereas bebo the other one was one e wasn't it yeah but yes that connection does exist it isn't a social network type christmas story about a social network called bebo <laughs> it's not that so in the show legends of tomorrow they came up with a furby type toy that exists in the universe of the show called bebo And in its introduction episode, it found its way back to Roman times. And the Romans were worshipping it as a god and following its commands. So the little toy would say the things that it says. It can only say, I don't know, half a dozen phrases. And it would say things like, Bebo is hungry. And they would interpret it as, he is hungry for war. And they'd go to war against (laughs) someone. It's as ridiculous as it sounds. And when you describe Legends of Tomorrow to someone that's never seen Legends of Tomorrow, they'll just think, what the hell is this? But when you watch it, it really works. They do a really good job at just making these things work. It's just nuts. And ever since they introduced Bebo, they keep bringing the toy back at different points, and it's always as charming and hilarious as it was the first time. They have never merchandised it. I don't know why. They just never have. I want one because it's connected to a show that I really like. So the Bebo Saves Christmas is a one-hour 
special that they're doing this Christmas. So they've announced it, an hour-long animated special where everyone's favourite fuzzy toy turned furry god will once again be a hero as he hopes to save Christmas when Sprinkles, an efficiency-obsessed elf, decides that Christmas would run better without Santa Claus. Bebo and his friends travel to the North Pole to help discover what truly makes Christmas meaningful. The special will star Ben Diskin as the voice of Bebo, Kamiko Glenn as the voice of Tweebo, Yvette Nicole Brown as the voice of Turbo, Keith Ferguson as the voice of Fleebo, Chris Catan is the voice of Sprinkles. Ernie Hudson is the voice of Santa. If there's a steady paycheck, he'll voice just about anything. <laughs> and Victor Garber as the narrator. Victor Garber was in Legends of Tomorrow as a lead character, so there's a connection there. This news filled me with joy. I really can't wait to see this. And I'm hoping after this it'll be what pushes them over the edge and lets the merchandise be well finally, so I can finally have so, one. So yeah, you can throw your money at them. Well, it all sounds suitably yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, perhaps we can talk about it as part of our Christmas special Maybe. this year. Who knows? But I will definitely be excited. I'll be watching it and I can't wait to see it. And the Bebo stuff in Legends of Tomorrow is great. I'll send you some clips later on so you can just watch and be like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sure I will appreciate them. Yes, I'm sure you will. <laughs> No, I think you will. I think you'll see the funny side because it's impossible not to be charmed. <laughs> so we've finished our hop from the three main universes, the three main pillars of Neil Before Blog, Neil Before Pod. Now we're on to just miscellaneous territory. First up, we have some casting for the Wonka reboot, the Wonka prequel. It's just going to be called Wonka and it's going to start Timothy Chalamet. We talked about a few months ago how it was either him or Tom Holland because apparently no other actors exist. People get into boardrooms and they think... Who's popular? These two guys. Who's trending on social media? These two guys. Cast one of them. What reboot can we do? What prequel story can we do where we cut off most of the words and just reduce it to one name? So we've done Cruella, fine. We've done this. We've done that. We've done Joker. Let's do Wonka. Willy Wonka. Let's do his backstory. Timothy Chalamet. We've cast him because there's no one else in Hollywood. And that's it. Sources tell Deadline that Wonka will mark the first time Chalamet gets to show off his singing and dancing skills with several musical numbers set to appear in the film. This will probably appeal to Aaron. He loves a good musical number. <laughs> He's been the top choice for some time, but scheduling was a hurdle that had to be overcome as training for those numbers is included in prep for the film. Well, it would have to be. <laughs> Paul King is directing, which is great because he did the Paddington movies and I defy you not to love the Paddington movies. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about this. I'm also a bit cynical about the. Oh God, it's another known property that they're prequeling up. and put. Good people attached, for sure. Mm, yes, well, I feel like this could be called Wonka colon Origins, which again would kind of set me <laughs> off, as we mentioned earlier. I don't know, I feel like we got enough Wonka early years in the Johnny Depp version, and that was probably too much at that time. It won't be as twisted as that, surely. Yeah. Yeah. When I see Gene Wilder, the only real Willy Wonka, I think, yeah, he's crazy, he's zany. I don't need to know anything about why he is that way, he just is. He enslaves these small creature yeah there's plenty of crazy things about him there's plenty of bad things about him but he, he is the way he is <laughs> i personally do not want to know how he got that way okay but maybe it'll be charming and maybe it'll be uplifting and maybe it'll be all those things because again we have paul king in the paddington movies i don't know if you've seen them but if you haven't you really should. i haven't but i have heard that they are very good they come highly recommended yeah and also just a throwback to the powerpuff girls thing deadline are also reporting on what mark pedowitz the cw's CEO guy said about the pilot. The reason we do pilots is sometimes things miss. This was just a miss, he said, during the CW's upfront press call on Tuesday. So that was today, as we record. We believe in the cast completely. We believe in Diablo and Heather, the writers. In this case, the pilot didn't work. So they're just doing it again. So that's back to that. So there's an explanation. Didn't really tell you anything. Mm. 
Back to our regularly scheduled news. We have another reboot coming up where Henry Cavill is adding another franchise to his collection. It's like he's collecting Pokemon cards or something. You know, I've not got this yet. Henry Cavill to star in Lionsgate's Highlander reboot from Chad Stahelski. I'm not against this. I think a Highlander reboot isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's been long enough. It's the first one that's only really any good, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure there are some Highlander heads out there who would be annoyed that this could ever be touched. But yeah, you're right. The quality of all of them, probably, even though the first one is the best by some way. I have no real objection to this getting rebooted. Yeah, as I say, I'm not attached enough to the originals to care that much about them. I think there's been some other sort of high-profile reboots of things that I am more attached to, and, and just in that very subjective way, I'll be against a point break or a total recall or something. <laughs> but for Highlander, I'm like, yeah, why not? I think Cavill's enough of a geek to mean he's probably invested in it like he was with The Witcher. And I think he could probably do quite well with it, swinging a sword about. I'd quite like to see... The Scottish accent. Well, (laughs) I was thinking about this earlier and how they sort of cast the original with absolutely no concern for where these people were from or if they could do the accents or anything. So I'd be quite happy if they just kind of went completely colorblind and just had anyone representing anyone else claiming to be Egyptian or Spanish or Scottish. (laughs) Just throw as many out there castings in as possible. It would be great. I haven't heard Henry Cavill's attempt at Scottish accent. I guess I'm about to... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, his franchise pedigree is is quite interesting to look at. He's been Superman, he's been The Witcher, he's been Sherlock Holmes, he's been in Mission Impossible. Suggested that he might be a good replacement for Ethan Hunt. If you've seen that movie, you'll see that it's not possible. But he's collecting stuff. I guess the writing is on the wall for his Superman, or at least he thinks it is. So he's just picking up stuff. And yeah, I'm not against this. John Wick guy, Chad Stelsky. Good stuff. I think he'll... Give us some good action stuff. Some kinetic sword play. He's not really done that. I'm okay with this. I'm on board. Yeah, it was, it was only a matter of time before it happened. <laughs> Which I suppose you could say about any reboot. It's always going to happen. Next up, we have a Netflix thing. Robert Downey Jr. is involved producing this thing called Sweet Tooth, which is a comic book adaptation. First published by DC Comics, now defunct Vertigo imprint in 2009. Sweet Tooth was created by Jeff Lemire and tells the story of Gus. <laughs> Funny. I didn't plan this, it just happened. A young boy with antlers living in a world that fears and hates the animal-human hybrids that arose in the wake of a global pandemic. (laughs) I didn't read this before. I feel like I can identify with Gus. As soon as I read that, I thought, what's not to like about a kid called Gus? With antlers. With antlers, yeah. (laughs) I can identify with that. And living through a pandemic... Yeah, it's all there for me. I hadn't heard of Sweet Tooth, of the graphic novel or the comic that it's based on. Me neither, yeah. I don't know. I assume at some point it will appear on my Netflix home screen. Number one in the UK today. Watch this now. If the time is right, I may (laughs) give it a watch. You never know. Robert Downey Jr., who's executive producing the series, was attracted to the source material. We heard there was this great graphic novel series, he says, but we didn't read it. (laughs) (laughs) And it just had this incredible emotional breadth of the storytelling. Even so, the tone of the adaptation will be a bit lighter than that of the comics. We felt we could really hold on to the themes but make it a more enjoyable place, says Susan Downey, who is also executive producing. I just hope people have the experience that we get to have with our kids when we cuddle up the couch and watch it together. Far from a protective auteur, Lemire applauds these changes. Some of the best parts of the show are some of the new characters he enthuses. Indeed, he expresses excitement at the prospect of adapting his work. So he's not an Alan Moore. Or is it more like some of the best parts of the show are the truckloads of cash that they're going to give me for it? Yeah, I really enjoyed how much money I made by <laughs> signing this over to Netflix. Could be. <laughs> to see something you created in a sketchbook walking in front of you on a film set, it's wonderful. Beth Schwartz, who show ran Arrow for a bit, 
is involved too. So there's a cast, Christian Convery, who plays your namesake, Gus. Nonzo Nozzi, I don't know who that is. Adil Akhtar, Eliza Vanali, Stefania Lavia Owen, Dania Ramirez, Neil Sandilands. I know who Neil Sandilands is. <laughs> Will Fort, he's playing it, and James Brolin is the narrator. So yeah, that's happening. And there's a featurette you can watch where Robert Downey Jr. talks about it. So if you like to see Robert Downey Jr. talk about stuff, watch the featurette. Cool. We are getting a sequel to The Flintstones with Elizabeth Banks voicing Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> the Flintstones sequel series from Warner Brothers Animation is officially in development of Fox. Well, it can't be. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> with Elizabeth Banks attached to star and executive produce. The animated series titled Bedrock is set 20 years after the events of the original series. Banks will voice an adult Pebbles in addition to executive producing. In the show, Fred Flintstone is on the brink of retirement. On the brink of retirement. And 20-something Pebbles is embarking on her own career. As the Stone Age gives way to the shiny and enlightened new Bronze Age, the residents of Bedrock will find this evolution harder than a swing from Bam Bam's club. The project will be written and co-executive produced by Lindsay Kearns, whose past credits include Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. I haven't seen that. DC Superhero Girls. I haven't seen that either. And Trolls, the beat goes on. I also haven't seen that. Sequel of the Flintstones. I think, yeah, it sounds okay as an idea. I do remember Seth MacFarlane was trying to get an adult reboot of the Flintstones off the ground at one point. I'm guessing it would have just been Family Guy without cutaways, but the Flintstones. <laughs> Reading about this elicited from me just a sigh and a shake of the head. And I was thinking, this seems doomed, doomed to failure. It sounds horrible, I think. The Flintstones is a classic. And why, why now? Why do we need this sequel? I was just wondering, how is it possible to pitch this sort of thing and just not immediately see it going down in flames? They could probably prove me wrong. The people who okay these things have made lots of money in the industry and I have made none. So (laughs) I know nothing, but I just see this as a complete train wreck. Fair enough. I don't know if I'll ever watch it, to be honest, but it may be one of those things where, yeah, this doesn't take up too much of my time and it's okay. Well, that is true. As with so many things, they're coming out. I don't need to watch them. I can always go back and watch old Flintstones if I really want to. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of things that are old things that are coming back again in a reboot or sequel form, we have Netflix doing Masters of the Universe Revelation, some kind of He-Man thing. Revelation, could you come up with a more generic title? I'm sure you could have if you really tried. So there's been some photos for it. Kevin Smith is producing, at the very least. He's the executive producer and showrunner of the series, produced by Mattel Television. He said the new Masters of the Universe is set up as the next episode of the original animated series. So it's like the Flintstones. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to see you do somersaults to justify why you like this and not the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. Here's where I contradict myself again. I'm like, I I don't want to watch anything G.I. Joe. I didn't play with those toys. I don't want to watch a sequel to the Flintstones. (laughs) Oh, but I will be all in on a Masters of the Universe reboot (laughs) or sequel. Yeah, Yeah, sequel slash reboot. Yeah, more serious. There was a reboot He-Man cartoon that was apparently not bad. I never watched it. I never watched the original, really. I think I saw it a bit here and there when I was younger, but I wasn't a follower of He-Man. My interests were more in the Spider-Man, X-Men, Superman, Batman direction Mm -hmm. when I was watching cartoons, Turtles, that kind of stuff. So I didn't really watch He-Man or Transformers. I think I was a kid just as those were kind of disappearing. Right. I kind of wasn't watching tv when they were around and then they were gone by the time. yeah i'm right in that sweet spot so just a couple of years older and 
the the sort of holy trinity are transformers he-man turtles for me so i haven't actually watched much of the new she-ra stuff on netflix i've watched a bit of it if i had more time i would have done all of my research but i was looking at this and thinking yeah i'll probably give this a watch (laughs) as you say doing somersaults to kind of justify my previous comments about the flintstones but you know i like kevin smith i know some people are like 100 percent devoted to him and see anything but praise is a bit of sacrilege really i'm not one of those i recognize that you know not everything he does is gold so just seeing his name attached to it doesn't instantly sell it to me but i like his podcast so like tell him steve dave i think the cast for this looks impressive it's pretty star-studded i think you've got mark hamill sarah michelle geller lena heady Stephen Root, Phil Lamar, some good voice actors in there. So I'm on board. This is one that I can actually say, yeah, I'll give this a go. Yeah, so here's a summary. In the new series, following a cataclysmic battle between He-Man and Skeletor, Eternia is fractured and the Guardians of Greyskull are scattered. And after decades of secrets tore them apart, it's up to Tila to reunite the broken band of heroes and solve the mystery of the missing sword of power in a race against time to restore Eternia and prevent the end of the universe. Okay. The voice cast includes Mark Hamill as the evil Skeletor. Great. <laughs> I'm sure he'll sound exactly like the Joker. That's what will happen. Because his Hobgoblin in Spider-Man sounds just like the Joker. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Geller as Tila. I don't even know who these people are. Obviously, I know who Skeletor is. Osmosis has given me enough to know who Skeletor is. Plus, I've seen the movie. And I've seen it recently enough to remember it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know who Tila is. Is she in the movie? Yeah, probably. I'm going to go with yes. It's been a while since I've seen that film. Or there's a character with a different name that might as well be mm-hmm. Tila, probably, as they did in the 80s <laughs> when they adapted things. Why didn't you just call her this <laughs> instead of this? I don't know. Chris Wood, who is Prince Adam slash He-Man. Oh yeah, there's a secret identity situation, isn't there? Even though it should be pretty obvious yeah. who it is. But again, the disguise Superman. isn't great. The disguise is Prince Adam wears shirts and He-Man yeah. does not. <laughs> Chris Wood, who is husband to Melissa Benoist, Supergirl herself, and was in a TV show that Natalie reviewed called Containment mm. way back. He's a good guy, it seems. I like him. He was in Supergirl for two seasons and I enjoyed him in that. So He'll have that generic macho man type voice, I suppose. He'll have the power. Yeah. Lena Headey is Evil Lynn, whoever that is. Tiffany Smith is Andra, whoever that is. Liam Cunningham, Stephen Root, Diedrich Bader, Henry Rollins, Elisa Silverstone, God, Justin Long, Jason Mewes, because of course <laughs> Kevin Smith's doing it, Phil Lamar, Tony Todd, Chris Summer, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Kevin Conroy also have voice roles. So you have Batman and the Joker in this. Well, there you go. How can you go wrong? And if I tell Natalie that Henry Rollins is in this, then she'll want to watch it as well. So maybe that's a selling point. <laughs> okay, so you're excited. Yeah, yeah, I'll give this a go. And you don't have to wait that long. Just over a month, July, it appears on Netflix. We'll probably get a trailer quite soon. In fact, probably half an hour after we finish <laughs> recording. <laughs> Next up is Little Demon. It's an animated horror sitcom. Aubrey Plaza, Danny DeVito and Lucy DeVito, his daughter and fellow actor among voice cast of Little Demon, an upcoming animated horror sitcom on FXX. Per the logline, the show follows a reluctant mother at Plaza 13 years after being impregnated by the devil, Danny DeVito. She and her antichrist daughter, Lucy DeVito, attempt to live an ordinary life in Delaware, but are constantly thwarted by monstrous forces, including Satan, who yearns for custody of his daughter's soul. Sounds quite fun. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really get a whole lot out of that synopsis. I'm a big fan of Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec. Never really got into It's Always Sunny, so I I never fell in love with late period Danny DeVito like a lot of other people did. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel just from what I'd read there and from what you've just read out as well, I feel like this sounds like it's going to kind of slot in amongst a number of other adult animations. And I just feel like for me, it's going to get lost amongst a crowd of similar sort of stuff. Not thematically similar, but I already feel like there's so many things out there that have passed me by that would have to be really great for it to stand out. To be honest, there's a good chance I'll never watch this, but that's fine. I think it sounds okay as a concept, though. It just seems kind of off the wall and ridiculous. So maybe I will watch it. I don't know, but probably not. <laughs> we'll see what happens at the time. Next up, Attack the Block is getting a sequel. Finally, I guess. I've seen the first Attack the Block once and I remember enjoying it. John Boyega set to return. Not a little boy anymore, but he's going to return as Moses which is the character he played in the original. Joe Cornish is writing and directing again, and he'll produce with Boyega. That's it. They're making it. And that's all that's known. It sounds pretty promising that the original cast and crew is returning, but I just had the question, who's getting excited for Attack the Block 2 in 2021? I like a lot of the people involved. I really like John Boyega in the first one and in Star Wars. From that article, it sounds like he's up for revisiting the the character or the setting, but I just feel like this far on, there's probably other original stories that could be told about inner city London, or it feels as if there's other things out there for him. But if it's something that he's really into, then of course, why not? I'd be interested to see. I'm not overly excited or hyped for it, but if the trailers look good, then yeah, I'll probably be roped in. Could be one of those things where They wanted to make something that was about something in particular and then no one wants to spend money on it unless it's connected to something that came before. Even if that thing came before a long time ago. Because Attack the Block was ages Mm -hmm. ago and it wasn't a huge hit. I mean, it did well enough, I suppose. It must have done. But they're considering making a sequel. And I've seen it once and I remember enjoying it. I didn't see it at the cinema. I just remember I caught it on, I think when I had a Love Film subscription that just came through the door one day and I watched it and I was like, yeah, that was pretty good as Alien Invasion movies go. It had a bit of extra flair to it because of the setting. The sequel, I don't know anything about it, but it's fine. Yeah, it's an interesting point that it could be something that's kind of been reskinned to work in this existing world. So yeah, we'll see. Back to Henry Cavill. Should have probably lined this up with the other Henry Cavill news, but what can I say? I'm bad at my job. (laughs) There's going to be a sequel to Enola Holmes. It's happening. It, It was really popular, so they're making another one. Same cast. It's fine. I haven't seen Enola Holmes because I don't watch Netflix things very often. I just never get around to it. I think it's because they're always there and it's no effort to put them on. I just don't do it. So it's one of those things I just haven't watched it yet. But people liked it. They'll get another one. Who am I to say that they shouldn't get another one? (laughs) Yeah, this was another one that was kind of a big banner on Netflix for a long time. Never enough to get me to watch it. And then it came back around. I don't know whether or not it was something to do with lockdown it seemed to get a bit of a second life where it, it kind of rose up the netflix charts again and it was being presented to me again again it wasn't enough to get me to click to watch it <laughs> no one i've spoken to about this has raved about it i think most of the responses i've heard are that it was fine obviously it's performed well enough to trigger a sequel so make of that what you will more power to them Next up, Red Sonja reboot finally happening. It's been a development hell for decades, I guess. But they've cast Hannah John Kamen, who recently starred as the villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you can remember Mm -hmm. that. Most people probably (laughs) can't. And those that do probably don't remember her because she was a Marvel villain and didn't really do very much. She couldn't keep herself together. She kept phasing through stuff. The ghost or whatever her name was. She was also the lead in the series Brave New World, which I did watch, which had Alden Ehrenreich in it. 
as John the Savage. I don't know if you've read Brave New World, the book. I have not. It's a good book. But the TV series was pretty good. It's not been picked up for a second season, so that's whatever. Might as well have not watched it. But no, it was, it was pretty good. I think they did a fair adaptation of the book. and It's good to see Alden Ehrenreich in a role that isn't pretending to be Harrison Ford. <laughs> that was nice. But back to the thing we're actually talking about. Red Sonja, she's been cast as the lead. Someone said... Who said? Someone said, Hannah is a very talented actress who we've been following for years, and she is Red Sonia, said Soloway, whoever he is, or she is. Joey Soloway, that's who it is. That's who said that. Her range, sensibilities, and strength are all qualities we have been looking for, and we couldn't be more excited to embark on this journey together. I don't know that much about Red Sonia. I have seen the movie. I know that she is a Conan the Barbarian offshoot character. That's about all I know. And the film itself was all right, I guess. From what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it. Mm, yeah. This will be a thing that comes out. <laughs> that it will, yeah. My thoughts are similar to those I had for Highlander, where I don't have any connection to the original movie or material, but just because of the genre, I'd be willing to give this a go. Having a look at Hannah John Kamen's filmography or whatever was listed in the article, I thought, yeah, I've, I've seen a few of these things, but I can't say I remember much of her. I mean, you alluded to it there. People might not remember her because of her being a Marvel villain. That is about the only place I can remember seeing her, although I have seen some of the other stuff she's been in. But yeah, I'll give this a chance. I'm shouting out a lot of fantasy and kind of genre stuff in this. So yeah, why not? I'll add it to the list. Sure. Next up, Arnie is going to be on TV. Well, on streaming anyway, he is going to do a spy series on Netflix. The streamer announced that the spy series hailing from Skydance Television and Nick Santora, who ran the show Scorpion, which I've never seen, will star the Austrian-American and the good cops, Monica Barbaro. Per the logline, the show centres on a father and a daughter who learn that they've been secretly working as CIA operatives for years. Don't you just hate it when that happens? <laughs> they realise that their entire relationship has been a lie and they truly don't know one another at all. Forced to team up as partners, the entitled Arnold Schwarzenegger project tackles universal family dynamics set against an international backdrop of spies. Fantastic action and humour. Sounds a bit True Lies-ish, except Arnie doesn't know what his job is. Sounds a bit like it could be Mr. and Miss Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Americans, but they don't know what they're doing. Doesn't sound all that original. Isn't he a bit over the hill to be doing this kind of thing? This could be another case of the truckloads of cash. Because Arnie really needs the money, Well, right? I don't know. Everyone's got bills. Everyone's got bills. <laughs> yeah, his... HBO Max subscription is going up, so he needs to do this thing too. Or he gets free Netflix, that's why he's doing oh, it. That's yeah. one of the conditions of his contract, he gets Netflix for free for the rest of his life. He's like, I could really save that eight bucks a month or whatever it is in the US. <laughs> <laughs> he did say, fans from over the world have been asking me for a wild ride like this for years. I'm not going to do an Arnie impression when I say oh, this, please. I'm just not going <laughs> to. No. And now they're finally going to get it because of our great partners at Skydance and Netflix. I am beyond pumped to start work on this show with Nick and Monica and the whole team. The former Republican governor of California <laughs> and since retired bodybuilder said in a statement announcing the series order. The hour-long drama, which is still untitled by the way, they know how many episodes it is but they don't know what they're calling it, which consists of eight episodes was created and executive produced by Santora, Jack Reacher, The Fugitive, who also serves as showrunner. He developed the original idea as part of his overall deal with Skydance Television. Spy series was set up for development at Netflix last November. There we go. So it's happening. Arnie's going to be in a streaming thing. I always watch Arnie and I stuff. I thought you might. I like Arnie. Of course I like Arnie. Who doesn't like Arnie? <laughs> but when are you getting more jingle all the way? There was a sequel, but it wasn't in it. <laughs> I've never seen the sequel. I just refuse. When are we getting another Arnie Christmas movie? That's what I want. <laughs> 
doesn't have to be Jingle All the Way. Just another Arnie Christmas movie. Maybe he plays a smaller role and Jake Lloyd is the grown-up <laughs> son who's trying to get his toy for Christmas. It would be on brand. It's another one to develop along with all the other reboots and reworks that you've got in the pipeline. Yeah, why not? Next up, Knives Out 2 has some cast. There's a lot of cast in it now. They've cast Dave Batista, Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr. and Daniel Craig. Obviously, he's returning as Detective Benoit Blanc. Kate Hudson is the latest reported cast in this. I think it's just going to be one of those things where Benoit Blanc gets involved in another case that consists of these people instead of the people in the previous right. film, which is fine. Another whodunit by Ryan Johnson. Apparently, Daniel Craig and Ryan Johnson have walked away with $100 million each by signing this deal with Netflix. They paid for the rights to the franchise in a $469 million deal. That's mental. Yeah. So they're doing two and three on Netflix. Yeah, fine. I really like the first Knives Out, but I've only seen it once. I've been told it's better on a repeat viewing because you can see where everybody's at, what their agenda is, and you can mm-hmm. see how that factors in. So I should watch it again, really, but I enjoyed it the one time that I saw it. And I'm keen for this. It's a good cast. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed it. I have watched it twice and I would agree that, yeah, watching it the second time, knowing what's coming and being able to look out for all that stuff was really cool. I quite like the cast list. I'm on board with a lot of these these people. I thought it was interesting that the Collider article mentioned that Netflix won the rights for the franchise. I didn't even realise that Knives Out was a franchise, but <laughs> there you go. I suppose anything can be a franchise if it's successful enough. Yeah, really liked the first one, so I will be there for this one. It's one of those things, isn't it, where Knives Out was a classic whodunit in the way that Ryan Johnson likes to play with the genre. If you look at Looper and stuff like that, the way he played with science fiction and time travel and when you look at Star Wars, the way he played with Star yeah. Wars, <laughs> let's get into that debate. Why not? Because the internet's not sick of that yet. <laughs> we both like Last Jedi anyway. We both recorded our thoughts on it and said that we enjoyed it. So it's a redundant debate. There's no point in having it. <laughs> we both liked it. It's fine. But Ryan Johnson's really good at this sort of stuff because he appreciates genre filmmaking mm-hmm. and he likes to mess around with it and give you different things. So I think that the way Knives Out structured itself as a whodunit was really interesting. Again, I've only seen it once. Just the way it was done, the way it mucked around with expectations. And I'm confident Ryan Johnson can do it again. But it's one of those things where Knives Out came out, executives in Hollywood were like, yes, give us more of that. And what they mean is more Knives Out sequels. (laughs) Whereas what they should mean is, give us more traditional mysteries that aren't called Mm -hmm, Knives Out. mm -hmm. Instead of looking for the next Knives Out, they should be looking for the next Knives Out. Right. (laughs) Conceptually. You know, instead of directly connecting it. Although the Benoit Blanc character is interesting enough, but I don't know if it'll be diminished return sort of deal. Maybe he only works in that setting that he was already Yeah, I do worry a bit about the kind of Ocean's 11, 12, 13 potential here because Ocean's 11 was so much fun. Obviously, this is slightly different because it's not getting a crew back together, but it's like, you know, let's rerun that, do it again, give us another whodunit. And if it works, it works and it could be great. But yeah, I, I do have that slight worry about the diminishing returns aspect yeah so our last piece of news is indiana jones 5 i would not typically use cinema blend as a source but this is a rumored plot there's nowhere legitimate that's reporting this rumored plot so this is all we've got reportedly this will take us to the 60s which makes sense because the last one was the 50s and we're moving on again and harrison ford is getting on a bit let's face it 
He's an old man. He just is. He's just an old man. He's still playing Indiana Jones. Uh, how does the space race factor into this one? Because it's the 60s. The rumour states that Mad Mickelson is playing the main villain, a scientist who worked for the Nazi regime and has now been recruited by NASA to work on the United States moon landing initiative. Naturally, this unnamed individual will be up to no good and he'll be accompanied by a woman who's described as an evil and brutal killer. It's unclear if this is Phoebe Waller-Bridge's role or if someone else will play this character. Supposedly Scarlett Johansson passed on the role. But the report also mentions that Schnett Renee Wilson will appear as a CIA handler who's been tasked with babysitting Mickelson's character. Obviously, all of the above information should be taken with a grain of salt for now. But considering James Mangold's previous comment about Indiana Jones 5 and how much time has passed since the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, having Dr. Jones get caught up in sinister machinations involving the space race sounds plausible. It also gives him another opportunity to punch at least one Nazi. Having previously done that in Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade, of course. When space enters the equation, I can't help but wonder if aliens are also being thrown into the mix, just like in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So space Nazis could be what we're looking at here. And I just listed some of the cast. Good cast. We've got a good cast forming. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's very difficult for me to get excited about this because um, we've mentioned diminishing returns. Crystal Skull. Is there anyone out there that likes it? <laughs> I do. I don't mind it. I thought it was okay. Harrison Ford is even older now. He's probably far too old. I think this is an, another case of the trucks of cash showing up. <laughs> he always seemed like someone who knew when to cut bait and step away from a franchise. And then, of course, he was drawn back into Star Wars when he said he would never do it. He got to die, though. That was the condition. But then he came back again. Spoilers for Force Awakens. He was back in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't know. Do you hear what he says when he's asked about his role in Rise of Skywalker? Is Han Solo a Force ghost? And he said, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. He obviously doesn't really care too much about these parts anymore, which is disappointing because the characters mean a lot to a lot of people. They mean a lot to me. Again, it's another case of what happens now, what's coming out now doesn't detract from what's already there we can always go back and watch the original Han Solo we can always go back and watch the original indie movies I will watch this just because I'm such a big Indiana Jones fan I have very very low expectations (laughs) I'm slightly put off by the space stuff because I think Spielberg's obsession with aliens kind of crept far too much into Crystal Skull and that was one of the things I really didn't like about it but yeah it's gonna happen it'll be there I'll watch it and we might even record our opinions on it at some point maybe so might happen yeah I think it'll be good I don't mind Crystal Skull I think it's okay it's certainly better than Temple of Doom really hate Temple of Doom find it just unpleasant to watch (sighs) (laughs) no time for love Dr. Jones (laughs) This has got to be the last one, right? This has to be the one, the last one that he does. Yeah, you'd think so. But then I thought that about the last one, so uh, who knows anymore? Yeah, but passing on the torch to Shia LaBeouf didn't work (laughs) in the way that they wanted it to. (laughs) It's going to be on in perpetuity. They'll just deep fake his face like a Peter Cushing type thing and it'll just never end. Possibly, but I'm actually surprised they haven't turned Indiana Jones into James Bond at this point. He's just an adventurer that's played by different actors that does different things. He never leaves the 40s or the 30s. I like that time period for him and I like that kind of serial style. I don't really want to see him getting old and reminding me that I'm also getting old and can't do any of that stuff anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But like I say, it's going to happen. It'll be there. I'll watch it. But for that, you have Shia LaBeouf swinging on vines. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Or sword fighting going through a jungle that's getting chopped down by... Why are you dredging (laughs) this all up again? (laughs) 
I don't mind that. I think it's better than Temple of Doom. You don't mind him swinging on those vines with those monkeys. No, no. Craig. (laughs) It's fine. So this is all rumoured, but I'm inclined to think it's probably going to happen. I do like James Mangold as a director, based on the two Wolverine films that he's done that I watched. And it's interesting that Spielberg isn't involved in this one. The first one that he hasn't done, out of all five, as it will be. I just assumed he would have some executive producer credit. His name might be on it, but he's not right, directing right. it, is what I mean. It's not his movie. It's He'll James be Michael's there movie, telling so. them to put more aliens in. <laughs> put more aliens in. We're doing the space race because there's aliens on the moon. Maybe there's Nazis on the moon. You know all those kind of B-movie stuff where there's like Nazis with their moon yeah. bases and whatever? Zombie Nazis <laughs> on the moon or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I made that up, but maybe it's a thing that existed. Indiana Jones, I guess... The supernatural element to it was something that people responded to. And then the alien stuff was a bit vague because are the aliens, are they from another dimension? They were from another dimension. The film tells you that, but strange, I guess. So Indiana Jones in the 60s, still wearing the jacket and the hat. (laughs) Wonder if you'll have someone to pass the whip on to in this one. We shall see. We will find out. Yeah. And I was just quickly checking the internet to see if anything broke in the meantime. Doesn't look like it. Not that I can find anyway. I think we're in the clear. I think we've talked about nice everything one. and we'll be scooped in like half an hour, <laughs> like I always say, like we always are, but that's what's happening. So that was it. That was our discussion of all the goings-on announcements and nerdy announcements in May. So was there anything that you came across on your travels through the internet over the month that you noticed and wanted to discuss? Just like the plugs that I have, No. this opened my eyes up to quite a lot of stuff actually it was quite a big list that you sent through it always is it's always huge i hope i haven't come across as too negative about saying i won't be watching this that and the next thing but there's definitely a few things in here that i am excited about and i will give a watch even if i'm not as, as excited about some of them so yeah it was good there's definitely some cool stuff on the horizon yeah for sure and some Possibly not so cool stuff on the horizon. <laughs> they can't all be winners. That's just the law of averages. Everything we discussed here, some of it will be crap. Flintstones. Flintstones, but not Masters no, of no. the Universe, which is ostensibly the same thing. Perfect <laughs> balance, as all things should be. On one side, you've got <laughs> yeah. an amazing He-Man reboot, and on the other, Flintstones. <laughs> we'll revisit this in a few months' time. <laughs> Maybe on your next news roundup, it'll be out in it. And no, no, not that soon. But maybe in a future yeah, news roundup, see. it'll be out and you'll be like, I watched it. The and ratings uh, will yeah. prove me right. <laughs> the review scores will prove you either right or wrong. We don't know. <laughs> so that's it. We've been through another month, another month of news. We'll be back and doing it in June. It is your wife joining us next, or joining me next yep. month for the June chat, where I'm sure she will just go through every item on the list and say, I have nothing to say about this. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'll try and coach her up and make sure she brings some interesting points to the table, like she always does. One thing I forgot to mention is Eternals looks like it has a bit of a Bollywood vibe, at least in one moment in the trailer. She's probably going oh, to Oh, really? Yeah, she will be into that. And Aaron will like it too, because it's a dance number. But it's got something for everyone. It's got something for everyone. That's about sums up Marvel. We'll throw in something for everyone. So that was me. That was it. Every piece of news that I found interesting in May has been talked about. So Angus, thanks for joining for this extended chat about stuff that's coming out in the future you're very welcome and i want to thank neil stenson for the supplied music it's playing me out possibly right now and it sounds awesome if you want to subscribe to the podcast you can do so on spotify apple podcasts any podcasting app really anywhere you get your podcast you'll find us if you're on apple podcasts please do leave us a star rating and a comment what number would we like though um i'm thinking 
something in the range of five. Four and a half if you feel like we've got room to improve. <laughs> and then comment on how we should improve. Or call us idiots. I don't know. Just leave something. <laughs> Just give us something to read. If anyone leaves a comment calling us an idiot, I'll read it next month. How about that? <laughs> now there's an incentive. <laughs> so if you want to talk to us about anything that was here, here or anything else really, you can hit us up on Neil Before Blog on Facebook or Twitter or neilbeforeblog.co.uk where there's a comment section you can leave a comment. And as always, we really hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>